1: Good morning and welcome to Asia-Pacific Currents.
0: <laughs> um, obviously this... focusing too much there, Giselle.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this Saturday, the 22nd, 21st of, 22nd 22nd. of October. That's just not a good start to the show this morning. No, here. No, You've that's... thrown me off my game.
0: Uh, Giselle, no no no. It's because <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm Pierre Moreau and we're both from uh, Australia Asia Worker Links. I think the issue was that our programme before Solidarity Breakfast did a really good program as usual, but that's that music was a bit too late back. It was called Summertime, so I think it just put us... It
1: was just too mellow, you reckon? We fell asleep?
0: That's right. didn't put
1: us in the fighting spirit that is the tradition of Solidarity Breakfast. Thank you. Of course, thank you to the Solidarity Breakfast crew for a very, very great program. Coming up on this morning's program in the second part of the show, our feature interview is with Arnell from the Labor Party of the Philippines, looking at the situation over there with the well, to put it bluntly, the uh, killing gangs of the Duarte government um, and the impact that's having on workers and workers' organising. But of but of course Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, Pierre, how can listeners do that? They
0: can always give us a ring on nine double six three seven two double seven if you're in Australia or you can always go to our website or the W's, dot org dot or on our Facebook site and um Twitter as well, although like, I don't tweet, so I don't know. Someone else must be in, in the organisation. No, let
1: me explain this very um, minor detail to you. Everything you put, and it is Pierre that does most of our Facebooking, gets automatically transmitted on Twitter. It's yeah, how I, we've set it up, Pierre. Yes, I know that. I
0: don't. <laughs> I don't receive. I don't have a Twitter account. Yeah. Okay. Should we? Should we go on?
1: Giselle? <laughs> Let's. We've got. Uh, we're going to start with news. news from around the region, and we're going to kick off in. Australia this week saw the release of another damning report on the treatment of detained refugees in the concentration camp of Nauru. The Australian Government, as usual, denied all evidence and promised to continue the harsh approach, regardless of the cost to the people themselves. Resistance and opposition to these policies continues, whether by refugee activists or the refugees themselves. Health workers have now won the right to speak out. In the first weekend of November, pro-refugee rallies will occur in all major cities of Australia. So please check it out and definitely please take to the streets to really apply the pressure to oppose this uh, mandatory detention regime for refugees.
0: That's right, and still staying in Australia, where a major conference for health and safety representatives will be held here in Melbourne this coming Tuesday, the 25th of October. Workers all over the world share a common demand for safety in the workplace. Millions of workers die, get injured, or suffer major illnesses every year due to unsafe workplaces. This conference aims to empower workers to be able to better fight for health and safety in the workplaces. So check out the uh, Trades Hall site to... um, to see where the conference is if you're a health and safety delegate.
1: In New Zealand at the start of this month new leg- legislation came into effect effectively banning the importation of asbestos into the country. This is for the trade union movement uh, in New Zealand who have campaigned hard to ban this hazardous substance, such a victory for them. Unfortunately, globally, around 2 million tonnes of asbestos are produced annually, causing more than 100,000 deaths per year. As the experience of Australia has shown, even once asbestos is banned, the toxic legacy of its use will continue to kill people for decades into the future.
0: Yes, uh, a continuing <coughs> campaign all around the world. We now go to the Philippines, where there's a company called foremo International, which is a subsidiary of the Korean multinational Hansol, and it's located in the biggest export processing zone in the Philippines, which is right near um, Manila. Now, the workers at of foremo and there's um, close to a thousand of them formed a union recently and concluded a collective bargaining agreement. Now the um, what has happened now? foremo has said that they will close permanently the factory and will um, will um, will lay off every every worker. Now in the weeks prior to this announcement. Uh, many machines, truckloads of machines were taken out of the factory and a um, list of union members were given to other garment factories in the export zone in a blatant blacklisting ploy. Um, and so this is, um, this is quite clearly that they're um, trying to break the union there and, um, and um, uh, putting the factory in non-unionised zones in other countries. The union has already launched a, um, a week of uh, protest and is picketing outside the factory um, gates. The more protest and uh, a plan and, and a solidarity campaign is, um, is planned for in the next few weeks until the date of shutdown in November. There is um, uh, a, a belief or an attempt to form an international um, working group for Hansel workers around Asia.
1: And in Indonesia, one worker was killed and another one injured in a bulldozing accident at the Freeport-McMorran giant Grasberg open pit copper mine in West Papua. Notwithstanding the huge and prolonged strike that workers carried out in 2011, such deaths are not isolated incidents. And that, that massive strike in 2011 actually saw workers murdered on those picket lines. It was an extraordinary... I mean, the mine was so big and workers actually encircled the mine.
0: I think there was about 12,000 striking workers from memory.
1: And I think nine were shot dead. Some, something that, like, yeah. Last month, another... A worker was run over and killed by a mining truck on the company's power plant area in Kuala Kinkana, a town located near the Grasberg mine. In 2013, there were major accidents where 20 workers were killed when a tunnel collapsed. I think this just highlights um, some of the stories that we've brought to you today in relation to occupational health and safety actually being an organising tool for workers that Puts into stark relief that the interests of the bosses against the interests of the workers, and these accidents at um, Freeport are, are no accident. they are explicitly because the company is interested in making a profit over the lives of workers.
0: That's right, and of course, there's the health and safety conference this Tuesday coming up here in Melbourne. We now go um, to Thailand, where with the death of King Bhumibol last week, the military junta has now declared a month long period of mourning where people are encouraged to wear black and most entertainment activities have been banned. Far-right forces in Thailand are now trying to exploit this period by targeting people who they feel are not being respectful enough. A climate of fear is being created with far-right mobs attacking alleged enemies of the king, with a minister calling for critics to be socially sanctioned. There have also been claims that far-right Thai activists will travel to Europe to eliminate those exiles who have been accused of less majest in the past.
1: And in India, so an update on that long-running dispute of the dismissed Honda workers in Rajasthan. It continues, their long-running dispute continues amid strong opposition by the company and local governments. Due to the hospitalisation of some of the initial hunger strikers, new workers have taken their place in continuing the fast. Workers have also renewed their agitation among the industrial belts of northern India, leading the company to issue defamation writs against some of. Of the workers. This struggle is continuing to garner international support and really it, it's incumbent on all of us to get behind them and support them.
0: That's right. And our last um, item, we go to Palestine where the Palestinians continue to be killed under occupation. The, um, really, the occupation is by, of Palestine by Israeli forces is so per- per- pervasive that acts of violence by military forces against Palestinians are a daily occurrence. For instance, just this week, two young Palestinians, 15-year-old Khaled Baha, Ahmed Baha and 19-year-old Rahig Youssef, were shot and killed by Israeli soldiers in two separate uh, um, instances. In other incidents, hundreds of Palestinians were militarily forced from their homes and workplaces to make way for visiting Israeli tourists. Meanwhile, hunger strikes against Israel's repressive administration detention system continue unabated in Israeli jails. And that's all that we have for um, the news roundup for this week i 'm not too sure if we had any good news stories Other the health and safety conferences
1: and the New Zealand ban and, on it and that 's right
0: so that's it we 've tried to balance it up. so <laughs> there you go, comrades. anyway we 'll go to some community announcements and then we'll be back with the interview with Anel and how the war on drugs is affecting workers and labor activists in the Philippines. <laughs>
1: In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday,
0: Years in the Making, Radical Radio, Celebrating 40 Years of 3CR is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station.
1: At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy
2: or
0: online at 3cr.org a u forward slash shop.
1: Get a piece of your own history. Three CR's Radical Radio is available now. Hello, this is Archie Roach, and you're listening to good music on eight five five AM on Three CR.
0: That's right, and uh, as Archie has said, you're listening to 3CR Radio, favorite Community Radio Station, 40 years this year. And, um, of course, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. It's just on 12 minutes past 9 o'clock here on this sunny Saturday morning here in Melbourne. As uh, announced at the start of the uh, program, um, we, um, we caught up with Arnel, who's a spokesperson from the Labor Party of the Philippines, um, just yesterday, and to get a, um, um, a bit of a, a follow-up to what's happening in the Philippines about the continuing uh, war on drugs that uh, President Duterte has unleashed, which has already killed uh, close to 4,000 people and its impact that it's having on um, working-class communities all around the Philippines. President Duterte has now been in power for over just over three months, and he has also unleashed... A quite a brutal war on drugs that has killed many thousands of people what, what is the social political atmosphere like in the Philippine, Philippines due to this war on drugs
2: well unfortunately if you go by the surveys the majority of the people uh, support the war on drugs that as you have mentioned has claimed thousands of lives Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's around 4,000 people who have been killed by now, either uh, owned by the police in supposed uh, encounters or the bigger number have been killed in vigilante-style killings. Although that support is sort of conditional, that same survey says that the people would like uh, suspects, dr- uh, people involved in drugs to be apprehended alive, not killed. Although what seems to be uh, happening now is that people are still buying the line by the police that people are killed because they have fought back. And those other uh, thousands of others killed are done by uh, syndicates trying to, like, cleanse themselves killing their own to uh, evade the police
0: Most of these people that have been killed, and we're talking over 30 a day are mostly in working class communities, urban poor areas of the Philippines What's the situation for people now living in those communities?
2: Long as the killings are uh, framed or even marketed in a way that it's people are involved in drugs there's a certain level that people will support them but because of more and more people are getting killed on a certain level people fear is one element and then there's a sense, in my sense that opposition is slowly although very slowly building up in opposition to the bloody war on drugs.
0: Obviously, when we talk about the killings, there's also many tens of thousands of people who are now in jail as well, and who knows when they will ever be brought to justice. In terms of the situation for labour organisers in these three months, there have been a number of labour organisers and um, farm worker organisers who have been killed by death squads.
2: Yes, in just bloody month of September, seven farmers and labour activists or leaders were killed. Among them is a leader of PM Partido Manggagawa and a labour activist in the southern city of Cebu and then there was also a uh, one case also in September of a union vice president who was abducted at gunpoint by the police. Of course the police later said that union leader was arrested in a so-called by-bus operation that was days before he was he was abducted three days before the scheduled union action
0: Unfortunately, the Philippines has got a very sad history in terms of, of death squads and and for many years has been one of the places in the world where labour activists have had one of the worst rates of being killed. So what effect have these death squads are been reformed having on labour organisers in the Philippines?
2: For now the killings of farmers and workers involved in struggles and organizing. From my point of view is is that uh, it's, it's not a direct war against labor but because of the culture of impunity, just because of the fact that it's so easy to kill now and then blame it on the war of drugs, that farmers and workers involved in local mass struggles in labor or land disputes so much easier for them to be killed by the the enemies were they involved in land or labor disputes so if you, if you check, uh, if we check on the circumstances of those killed in the in the month of september they've all been involved in land or labor disputes. So even though there, it's not a, like a direct war against the left or a war against labor, which is kind of like different during the time of uh, Gloria Arroyo, now it's like a spillover from the war of drugs that farmers and worker activists are getting victimized.
0: Given that Um, many of these killings are happening in urban poor and working class communities and there have been some uh, deaths of labor activists. What opposition, what organizing is happening in the labor movement in the Philippines to try and stop these killings?
2: Uh, We're trying to build a movement around that. It it wasn't easy simply because there's a Real support for uh, the war on drugs. Not exactly for the killings, but for the war on drugs. Okay, There's support for that. And that includes among urban poor and even the working class. But at least for the labor movement, since September, when there was a spate of killings and even of the abduction, who, who, who by chance happened to be a union leader affiliated to... A more conservative labor center, but the biggest labor center in the Philippines. So, a large section of the labor movement uh, stood up and in opposition to the killings of uh, labor and farmer activists. And then, coalition with human rights advocates, the progressive wing of the church, and then other advocacy groups were building a coalition that directly opposes the brutal war on drugs and is calling for a stop to the killings. There have been various rallies and events since July and then moving on to September around the issue of killings. So if the mobilizations are, are still small, just around maybe a thousand or so But we're hoping to build slowly but surely a movement calling for a stop to the killings.
0: That sounds uh, really promising. And uh, as a final question, how do you see the next few months going? Because we've certainly seen in countries like Mexico where there was a war of drug declared, the the level of killings, the level of trauma, of brutalisation, of corruption and the formation of new death squads in the end starts to have its own momentum and it even gets out of control do you think there is a possibility or a danger that uh, if this continues it will actually start to spiral out of anyone's control?
2: I think that it's a distinct possibility and I do hope that it doesn't come to that I do hope that a movement can be built that can successfully call for a stop to the how, how the war on drugs is being implemented or prosecuted. I think uh, on one hand, building the movement, organizing people, uh, educating people, and then a key part of that would be how the labor movement can be involved and mobilized. And then one, I think, of the advocacy and or uh, movement building would be teasing on this certain incident. For example, uh, just this month, an anti-crime crusader was killed in a province. She was killed in the same vigilante-style mode of two people wearing bonnets and riding motorcycles. And in just this case... It so happened that the killers were caught, and lo and behold, they were the killers were actually two bemetalled policemen. Curiously, the chief of police and even Duterte has remained silent on that, and that jibes actually with the expose by the by the uh, British magazine The Guardian, in which they had an interview with a high-ranking police which they vetted which says that uh, indeed death squads were unleashed by the government, and but it's highly secret. And it corroborates with all the incidents that the police will wear bonnets, they will ride motorcycles, and then disappear after the killing. So I guess that's one. Uh, I, I guess more and more testimonies will come out about about the role of the government, the, the administration, and the police in the death squads killings, and then as a matter of fact I think even as we call for a stop to the war on drugs, I guess one plank is to call for a war against p- poverty. That the administration, they should in actually be the focus of the administration. And just because it has made certain promises against contractual work for a wage increase, it is in this arena that the administration its its weakness because it cannot actually deliver, especially because of the resistance of capitalists landlords vested interests, so it cannot deliver so it's good to work on that, to challenge the, administrate the Duterte presidency on its premises, even as we call for a stop to the killings.
0: We can certainly share those uh, last few comments, Anel, and uh, we certainly hope you and your comrades all the best in your campaigns and certainly given the climate in the Philippines right now, please uh, stay safe and look after yourself.
2: Well, we've actually had meetings on how to you know, to make like security measures now. Especially the, in those comrades involved in you know, local struggles, local disputes. For now, that seems to be the biggest area of threat.
0: Well, thank you very much. And again, take care and all the best.
2: Hey, thanks, Pierre.
0: As Prime Minister of Australia, I am sorry.
1: Coming live to you from I'm the sorry. Aboriginal
0: Ten Embassy in Canberra as part of the Sorry Day Convergence. Sorry. And here comes Gilla. How you going, Gilla? How's it going, Gap? How's it going? Uh, all you listeners down Melbourne. And You're missing a great time up here and uh, a great day. Subscribe to
1: your award-winning independent community radio station. Bringing you coverage of community issues and events. We need your support. Call 9 8377 and subscribe today. We
0: face the future now we face the sorrow.
1: I feel hopeful, I feel grateful, I feel sorry.
0: As an Aboriginal person, let me shake your hand. Thanks very much for being here today. Thank you very much. No worries.
1: It is 27 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Just in the closing minutes of the program, I want to announce a demonstration that is happening today at the State Library at one o'clock. It is in um, defence of Aboriginal people in custody. It's in the uh, spirit of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, But, of course, I learnt recently that a young Aboriginal kid was taken into custody in the last couple of weeks and was covered in dog bites, presumably from uh, police dogs. So there are people, some uh, lawyers and some activists are trying to get to the bottom of that story. But absolutely, we need to stand up um, and say that this kind of stuff is not on and this law and order offensive is not uh, a workers' movement. So get to that rally one o'clock today at the State Library. But that is all we've got time for on Asia Pacific Currents today.
0: And um, that's right. And just to finish off, that that's a um, good reminder for that. Rally, Giselle. The interview we we're just listening was with Anel from the Philippine Labour Party about the uh, impact of the uh, war on drugs on um, working class communities in the Philippines. My name is Pierre Morrow.
1: I'm Giselle Hanna, and we'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. But coming up next, I think listeners, you're in for a real treat. Uh, Yusuf Alramawi is here live